Welcome to my podcast, You Are Here For Now, a series of conversations inspired by my new book of the same name. I'm your host, artist and author Adam J. Kurtz. Each week on this show, I'll chat with some of the smartest, kindest, most generous, beautiful, amazing, talented people I know, and ask them about all of that being alive stuff that we don't always get to talk about, like passion, purpose, mortality, true love, defining success, mental illness, and figuring out what's next when you don't really know what you're doing. These conversations have already helped me so much, and I can't wait to share them with you. In this episode, my husband Mitchell and I are chatting with one of my favorite couples, astrologer Chani Nicholas and her wife Sonia Passi, about astrology, supporting your community, being an active presence in your own life, and the transformational power of love with plenty of fun, gossip, married, queer couple stuff. Uh, Shani Nicholas is an LA-based astrologer and author of the number one New York Times bestseller, You Were Born for This, Astrology for Radical Self-Acceptance. Her online community at ChaniNicholas.com and the Chani app has over 1 million monthly readers. Sonia Passi is the founder and CEO of Free From, a national organization on a mission to create pathways to financial security and long-term safety for survivors of gender-based violence. Sonia has been an anti-violence activist since she was 16 years old. Mitchell Kuga is a journalist and writer from Honolulu, Hawaii, whose work has appeared in The Village Voice, Esquire, T Magazine, GQ, and many other outlets. He's also my husband. Hey, Shani. Hey, Sonia. Welcome to the podcast. How's it going? Good. How are you all? We're good. We're excited to see you. It's been a long time since we had FaceTime with you. Yeah. A lot, a lot has happened. A lot, um, a lot. So, um, how... How did you two meet? And then after you <laughs> met, how did you two know? You know? Yeah. My favorite story to tell. So I was a yoga teacher. I was an astrologer, but I was a yoga teacher. And like a good yoga teacher in LA, I had an agent who would get me jobs at hotels teaching privates and also teaching privates to folks, you know, around LA. I also taught all over the city and did all the things. And one day I got a call for like seven days of yoga at 7am at the Beverly Wilshire. And I was like, amazing. I've got a client once a day for seven days. And so I missed the first day. I've not had never done that before. I put it in my calendar wrong and I didn't show up and I got so much hell from my agent that I had missed this like very important client and it was like this huge deal and a disaster and I was lucky enough that the person still wanted to have yoga the next day so I should go the next day and I teach yoga to this woman who's very like she doesn't say that much she doesn't really look at me she doesn't really like give me anything I'm like I don't know if she likes me but she wants me to come back tomorrow so cool and it goes on like that for like the last, the, the remaining six days. And I like crack a joke here and there and she might laugh, but she really gives me zero. Class. <laughs> That's so bad. Eight or nine days. I'm an investment banker. I live in New York. Um, I'm taking my first vacation in a very long time. And I decide, like any good investment banker, that the way that I'm going to relax on my vacation. 
meditations, yoga every morning at 7 a.m. And so I emailed the hotel and asked them to set that up for me. And Chai doesn't show on the first day, which I make zero deal of. I just checked with the front desk to see if I was in the wrong place. And they were like, no, I only found out afterwards from her that she got in so much trouble for not <laughs> showing up. Also, I was mortified. And she shows up on the next day. And, you know, at this point, I'm not out to myself. So I'm like, hmm. as a straight woman, I can recognize that this person is very attractive. That was it. Um, really enjoyed the yoga. Went to the front desk and was like, I would like to make sure that I'm working with that person for the rest of the week. And slowly, over the course of the next couple of days, completely start to unravel. I'm like day drinking at the Beverly Wilshire bar with an 80-year-old that lives at the Beverly Wilshire. I don't know what's happening. <laughs> four or five days in, I, without asking myself any questions about sexuality, I'm like, I'm in love with this woman. We had never had a conversation. <laughs> like, I was like, okay, <laughs> downward dog. Like, that was but pretty Chani, much Chani, when you When you're doing adjustments and stuff, isn't there a lot of communication <laughs> happening via touch? No, like, like, I'm, like, honestly, also, I was, like, you know, I we didn't even used to tell this part of our story because it was, like, it was really, like, as soon as I realized there was chemistry between us, I was, like, I cannot be your yoga teacher. Like, I, I've never, ever, 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 ever had dated anybody I had any connection with in terms of, like, whatever, student, da da So I realized I'm in love with this woman. I have no idea where her last name is. And I am like trying my best to pluck up the courage to say something to her before I leave and go back to New York and probably will not be able to take a vacation again for another year. We also have to say this is obviously like a different lifetime for her and I. Like she was not an investment banker for very much longer after we met. (laughs) I was also, yeah, she was also my last yoga client. So a lot changed very quickly after we met. But I don't. I don't pluck up the courage to say to her. As soon as I have my last session, she gives me her business cards. And now I have her last name. I Facebook stuff. Back in the days of business cards. Yeah. Back in the days of Facebook. She's done something called the Queer Astrology Conference. So I think that maybe she's an ally. <laughs> it's not clear to me. At the very queer. least. Uh, there's a... There's a you know, man that she's in a lot of pictures with that I assume is her boyfriend, who is the gayest. (laughs) (laughs) But I go, I'm like distraught. I feel like this is, this is my person. I haven't said anything. I'm getting on a flight. I spend the entire flight back to New York writing like sonnet emo poetry to myself. And I write this whole thing about how, this person is the love of my life and the person I am going to spend the rest of my life with, however long it takes. So that's how we met. Fast forward. Two months later, Uh, three months later, I'm living in New York with her. Yeah. Like three weeks later, we're dating. (laughs) Six weeks later, we're engaged. No. Nine weeks later, we're living together. Nine months later, we're married. You went from like, am I queer to like, on the nose, on the money, queer, yeah. queer, queer, yeah. Lesbian. <laughs> Love that. 
But that thing about not knowing someone's last name, like that's exactly our story. Really? Of, like I had to like find Mitchell's last name in order to ask him out. And I did that because I fell in love with a photo of him and I recognized the photography style as being um, Paul Sapuya's work and then stalked his friend list oh, to find every wow. Mitchell to find the one that looked like, like. That is like designer gay intersection. <laughs> yes. Oh, it was extremely. Wait, what? How many years ago is this? Nine, almost nine years ago. Oh, so that was really like old school. Yeah. I mean, I think, I mean, you know, queer people, like we had a lot of apps and methods yeah. of connection. Yeah. I'm doing air quotes for the listeners yeah. at home. We had them <laughs> early, but yeah, it was, we met like by following each other on Tumblr. And then one day I was just like, I need to find Mitchell who I need to ask this person out. And I asked him out. And then I was like, when are you free? And he said, I'm free Tuesday. And I was like, what about tonight? And he's like, I, I work until 1.30 a.m. I'm at a restaurant. And I showed up at one thirty, like 1.31. Oh. And our first date was from like 2 a.m. until 7 a.m. when he had to leave. Oh, my God. Mitchell, what did you think <laughs> when he showed up? I knew he was coming. He's telling it like he surprised me, but I knew. That no, was... I mean, you said I could go. I was like, yeah, come. But you kind of don't, you don't expect that, especially. Yeah. I, I, well, I don't want to, I don't want to speak for everyone, but I, I think with with gay men there's a lot of yeah. like okay sure yeah i'll see you Something at 30 okay yeah yeah i feel like our story is stereotypically very gay because we actually first knew of each other through butt magazine do you know butt magazine yeah. the zine so butt magazine no. had this thing called butt heads which was like an <laughs> online forum and that's basically where we found each it was profile. it was kind of like um oh what's that What's the app now that's like an old school lesbian dating app? Lex. The text. Yes. Lex. It was yeah. sort of like a queer Lex. Like you had one photo and you answered like a randomly assigned question. And they built, they kind of built it into part of their site. And Mitchell had a profile because he wrote a story for them because he interned at the magazine. It's the same publishers who do like Gentlewoman now. Apartmento. An apartmento. Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. So Mitchell, it's not Mitchell's st- style to be on a website like that, but thankfully he was and i must have just been scrolling and been like i'll marry you you just knew you know i i i don't i that's not me and you were both babies i was 23 yeah yeah what the wait how long long ago was this for you yeah when was this yoga seven years seven years but i'm way i'm so much older than she is so for me are you i was like an old lady when we met okay she's exaggerating she's 12 years older than me that's really a lot older not when you're 12 years older than all of you (laughs) i had no idea wait am i the youngest person on this podcast wait how old are you i'm 32 you're 32 yeah she's older than me mitchell how old are you i'm 34 okay so there you go wow so you and chani are the uh the the elders the queer elders (laughs) yeah queer elders (laughs) <laughs> wow we're so grateful sony and i are so grateful to be in the presence of your elders you should be yes we really we're gonna soak this up fuck you <laughs> <laughs> okay so wild how very little information either of us had to go off in yeah deciding this for that person sometimes you just feel it right that's what yeah, I was so like, excited. I have not wavered since day four of knowing her. Well, you used the word love very early. 
Like, yeah. You loved her. Yeah. That's pretty strong. But it was like, yeah. It was just like my whole being knew it. Yeah. I, I, it was so irrational for her at that time. You know what I mean? Like, it, she just kind of went all the way with it. Yeah. It was like a couple months in where I was like, does this even <laughs> And then their montage of my life flashes before my eyes. And I remember that I went to lacrosse camp. And that I was, okay. That doesn't make you, know, you gay. But, you know, like, <laughs> things that I suddenly, like. She's like. I wore Calvin Klein jeans. No, no. I wore CK1 unisex, my favorite fragrance, at six years old. Okay, that's pretty gay. Yeah. And my first love is also now very gay. Yeah. I, I, I think that there's something about like when when it is when it does rock you to your core and it's so foundational that it causes mm. you to question other things. Mm. And love can do that. Like I think when I met Mitchell. I was very happy in a very specific way. And it made me question like what might have not been clicking up until that point, you know, that feeling of like, Oh, if, well, if love is real, then what else is real? You know, suddenly yeah. this, this ira- quote unquote irrational thing is proven true. What else might be true that I, I haven't had a belief in? Cause I really, I struggle with you belief and faith. Yeah. I mean, I didn't not believe in it, but I think it was just one of those, you know, my whole upbringing in my whole life is like people really strongly believing in things that I didn't believe mm-hmm. in and it was around mm-hmm. me and mm-hmm. just being like, okay, yeah, that's a thing other people do. Right. And I'm just going to kind of go along with it because it's easier to do that than yeah. to have a conversation every five minutes. Yeah, I think for me, even though, you know, externally I can view it as being irrational, nothing about it felt irrational. Nothing about it felt scary in me. Nothing about it felt felt uneasy it was the most sure I had been about anything Mm. and I had a I had had a history of being extremely gaslit Mm. and this thing comes in and moves into a place of such like I was so unwavering there was nothing that anyone could say that was going to make me question this thing because it was so deep in me that it kind of did that same thing for me Adam of like wait, what else do I know with such certainty that has been sort of like turned upside down by people around me? Mm. Mm. I love that that transformational power of love to do that. Um, Chani, I wonder if you, is there, is there a moment um, whether in, in the relationship or just in your life, mm. if there was a, a single moment that really triggered like a big transformational change or just something from from within from the universe from some moment where you were like I'm gonna make this change or like something's happening there's a sea change here let's do this yeah I mean throughout my life there's been so many I've I've always been a person that's taken huge risks but certainly if we're talking within the context of our relationship I just like up and moved to New York (laughs) and you know the first time we (laughs) <laughs> left LA, moved to New York. Yeah. So I was always willing to do things like that because I also came from a situation where I didn't really feel like I had, well, it felt like the right thing to do, but also I took a lot of risks in my life because I didn't really feel like I had a lot to lose. So mm. I didn't have the 
the things that most people can kind of cling to or return to in terms of safety and consistency and family. I didn't have that. So I was kind of just like out there, you know, like I was like living, risking and doing all the things because there was, that's what, that's where I was oriented towards like trying, trying to find my place. And when we met, it was the first time I felt like I was home. And I had been searching for that my whole life. And I, I felt we felt it, I think, just so immediately with each other that it was jarring and, you know, tons of stuff happened that was very, like, psychic in nature. She would know things that I was thinking or talking about or we'd be on the same page without with while being in New York and L.A. And we'd be, like, you know, in the same, engaged in something that was so similar that I was like, oh, this is something so much bigger than just an attraction. This is, this feels like a calling. And I've always been able to, I think it's one of the gifts of my personality is I've always been able to recognize that and follow it. Mm, But also because I didn't have a lot to lean on backwards. It's it's definitely a skill to, to not only hear and see the signs, but then to to follow through. I think so many, so many of us, you know, we, we say we're looking for signs and then we get the signs and we were like, great yeah. sign. Yeah. Awesome sign. Oh, Love that sign. Yeah. Oh, I, I will hang what that on it? my wall. Yeah. What does you know, mean? some yeah. of us, like we write, we write a whole book of signs and then we put it on the shelf and we um don't, we don't. And then we get worry. Better. Yeah. And then we, <laughs> we, we, we make we the, the keychain that says, don't worry. And then we just work anyway. Um, I do, I do want to hear from you, Mitchell, how, how meeting me was like one of the most important and special <laughs> moments in your. <laughs> yeah. Um, just like on the record, like how am I incredible? Um, oh my God. Well, I'm curious, was finding a home in another person, something that you knew was possible up until that point? Or was Ooh. that something that you were searching for in a place or in an occupation or in other things? Yeah, I th- I know Mitchell's a really great interviewer. <laughs> um, I I did think it was possible. I hadn't experienced it, but I I think I always was searching for it because I did feel like it was possible, even though I felt incredibly discouraged. And because I was in my 30s when we met, I just felt like, oh my God, it's never going <laughs> to happen. And to all those folks in their thirties and their late thirties, like still looking for the things, whether it's a relationship or children or whatever a career, even that came to me late too. I just had to, again, I didn't have anything else to lean on or to fall back into. So I just had to keep moving forward, even though there were times I was incredibly bitter and envious and very, um, disbelieving that it would that it would happen to me mm-hmm. that I would find that I love that so much about the forward of your book is that you really make it clear that things happen later for you and I think yeah it's so easy to believe this myth that if things don't happen when you're 23 in your career in love in anything that it's too late and it's, it's really yeah. it's really wild that we give up on yeah. ourselves yeah, I feel like we're we're sold that that sort of um, that lie about it all success being so rooted in youth yeah. culture, 
mm-hmm. um, because and of certain types of success are... that are fed to us. Do you know? Yeah. It's like we're not all yeah. trying to be that kind of pop star. Like it's not mm-hmm. TRL or nothing. So why mm-hmm. why are we allowing that to feel true? I, well, yeah, it's interesting to kind of circle back to your experience moving there. It's like I don't, especially in queer culture, a lot of times. Well, depending on what our communities look like, but sometimes we're just encircled with people that are only in our age bracket. And so Mm. we're not in deep enough relationship with people that are way younger and way older and a little bit older and a little bit younger. And I don't think there's a ton of diversity in most of our everyday experiences that we're like just kind of feeding off of the people that are right beside us. And so we forget that broader perspective that someone in their 70s or 80s is going to bring or we forget that like bubbly euphoria that somebody in their like you know first 10 years is going to bring and I think it we get really myopic in like who's beside us and what track we're running and it's really easy to lose the kind of goal of like what's what's the goal for your life like how do you want to be living it yeah I just had a great conversation with um, Fran Tirado and Jenna Wortham on the pod. And Jenna was talking about the same thing, spending time with people in their seventies and eighties. And what are, what are the concerns there? Like what are, what are folks in that age um, concerning themselves with? And Jenna has um, a friend in her uh, residency program. It sounds like that Mm -hmm. Jenna had, (laughs) Jenna said that, that immediately before the podcast, she had been in the lake and immediately went up after hanging up, she was going back into the lake with, with this person. And I was like, gorgeous, like, incredible. Every time I talk to Jenna, I'm like, she has the life. <laughs> like, she like makes the life, right? Yeah. Like it's, yeah. she's one of those people I that Very. just like Great. being in her periphery, being in their periphery, mm-hmm. it's like, I'm going to yeah. soak something up, which yeah. I feel that way about Mitchell too. And, and I don't yeah. know how you two feel. Sometimes being in the periphery of someone who's just not on a completely different wavelength, but on like a different tier of it sort mm-hmm. of you get that you get to come up or you get to go down and it's so healthy Mitchell, do you, it's so helpful do you feel like you're able to enjoy more of life than adam oh i don't think so i mean i think he's i know he's we, kind of presenting we're different it, yeah i think it's just different he's presenting uh-huh. it sounds like he's presenting it as a hierarchy but i think it is just a different lens a different perspective sometimes that's always refreshing yeah. but i feel it's the same about you a lot of times oh, too. thank you well i guess i thought of it as like it's like a highway like there's four lanes and they all go to the same place but mm-hmm. you know it's just slight slight differences where you just it's like i see mitchell doing something in a certain way and i'm like oh i could do yeah. i could do it that way too and it, it yeah. could make my life better and i never thought about it and it's not yeah. that he told me to do it it's just that when you have someone yeah when you observe someone living their way and you see sort of the outcomes of that it can I guess what I'm saying is I don't respond really well to being told what to do by someone like it's hard it's hard for me to just sit down and be given like an hour of straight advice that's why this podcast is not like join us and we'll tell you how to fix all your problems it's like we don't know you know just here's what's going on with us take what you like leave what you don't yeah. The biggest uh, thing that you taught me is how to not feel like a passive presence in my own life, that life isn't happening to me, mm-hmm. that I'm choosing things and I'm a part of it. 
And I didn't realize how much I was pitying myself and like setting myself up for disappointment or feeling at the victim of my own life until we got together. And I was like, oh, wow, I'm really, I was like, what do you mean that I'm like making this out to be that it's like something happening to me? And But as soon as she said, I was like, that sounds very much like AA. (laughs) (laughs) She's my own recovery program. I mean, that's huge. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. I mean, sometimes we need we need to hear something like that from the people who can see us fully and there's so few people in the world who can so when you meet someone and you let them see you and you mm-hmm. stop hiding even the ugly parts then they have all the parts and they can help yeah, you parse through them but it's like most people only get three or four and they don't know that i also you know have all this other shit wallow yeah i even sometimes i get a lot from having mentors who are elders but i get a tremendous amount from kids Mm. and i even sometimes try to remember myself as a kid like i was fearless as a kid and i'm i'm not someone who carries a tremendous fear right now but i have carried more as i've aged and so i try to remember like what i would have done when i was seven or what i would have done when i was 16. I mean, when I was 22, 23, I was, had started a nonprofit, and I decided that I was going to email every single billionaire in California and ask them for money. So I went on Wikipedia and found a list of California billionaires and guessed at their email addresses and emailed them all. And, you know, it's we're five years into Freefrom's existence, and I just did that for Freefrom. Because I was so scared up until now of like embarrassing myself or what will they think or what will they mm. say. At 23, I was like, yeah, that makes sense as a strategy. And I, we ended, I ended up getting money that way. But um, I think we, we become burdened with layers of either pain or mm-hmm. feelings like experiences of failure or fear of what the people around us will say or think as we age that we just seem to have as kids. Yeah, you're completely right. Um, I did I did want to ask about Free From, and I also wanted to ask about the way the two of you have really built this symbiotic, um, creative and passionate life that you sort of take in your separate passions and merge them and they feed each other in very direct and transparent ways. Mm-hmm. And it's beautiful and aspirational to see. So mm-hmm. I'd love to talk a little bit about Free From's work um, we also saw that you were recently awarded a huge a huge grant or a huge um, financial investment, which is incredible. Um, I mean, I'd love to hear more about um, how how that continues to impact your work, but also how how the uh, funds raised through like the Chani app, for example, are are mm-hmm. similarly doing that work. Yeah, we just got four million dollars um, from Melinda Gates. Mackenzie Scott, Dan Stewart, and the Charles and Schusterman Foundation, which is, it's it's allowing us the type of financial security that I think as a nonprofit you dream of, but ultimately the type of financial security that you need to actually have impact mm-hmm. and be able to focus on the work and not fundraising. So super, mm-hmm. super excited and grateful. Mm-hmm. Freefram is a national organization working at the intersection of gender-based violence and financial security. So 
one in four women, one in two trans folks in the U.S. is going to experience intimate partner violence in their lifetime. And the number one obstacle to safety is financial insecurity. So we in the U.S. sort of think of intimate partner violence as a crisis that comes out of nowhere and, you know, warm food, hot, warm bed, and patience, and, you know, the problem will solve itself. And it's not. It's a systemic economic issue in our society that our society has created and perpetuates and allows to thrive. And so everything that Freefund does is shifting the way that we're thinking about and addressing the problem mm. to really address it. Mm. And we do a lot of different things. We've got um, an online platform that helps people figure out how they can get compensation for the harm they've experienced. We've had about 13,000 folks use that to date. Um, we have we have a in response to COVID, we started doing cash grants for survivors, just money to spend however you need. Um, understanding that cash is one more need that survivors have. And so we've done 4,100 grants so far in all 50 states. We're about to do another 2,500 grants in the, mm-hmm. in the month of September. And we, we do policy work. We're uh, getting banks and employers and others to shift the way that they take accountability for the problem. So we're pushing companies, for example, to have paid and protected leave for people experiencing gender-based violence to be able to deal with the consequences of the harm and not lose their job. Um, uh, we have the leave. Chani App has the leave. Bumble recently implemented the leave. Facebook, Berkshire Bank, and really wanted to normalize that as something that we do. Um, so we do a lot. And it's all really about uh, just shifting the way that we're addressing this and, and taking the responsibility off survivors mm-hmm. to get themselves to safety and mm-hmm. instead uh, putting that responsibility on our society to mm-hmm. address the problem that we created. Um, Freefound wouldn't exist without Jenny. Um, when we met, what uh, wouldn't exist without the work that we've done together on the business? Obviously, it wouldn't exist without you. Yeah, for sure. But when we met, <laughs> when I left the bank and started working on Freefound, I was really only able to do that first two years of Freefound's building, which I didn't have a salary for, because we were simultaneously working on the business. And we, we actually just found this piece of paper, this to-do list that I wrote from this was September 2014, so we had together for three months. <laughs> she had a to-do list for me already. <laughs> and she saved it. <laughs> and she saved it. Yeah, that's the... And she saved it. So she's been my boss since the moment we met. And nothing has changed. Sorry, Dom. <laughs> she got but me I... together in that way. She got me together in that way. And then because of that, she also was like, okay, this business has to work because I also need Mm. to keep doing my activism. And so she like, you know, formed the business and like got it up off the ground and then poured her energy into free from and got it up off the ground. And then we started to like sell the gifted boxes, which are all, you know, like curated gift boxes and every, all the products are made by survivors and, 
the boxes are shipped by survivors and it's a whole kind of economic model. The business doesn't make anything off of it. But we started selling those boxes through my newsletter and that became its own like business and it's doing really well. And we also, you know, through our community, through the astrology community that we built, we've raised, we figured. I think even before the app launched, just through fundraising, through the mailing list, we over the years raised about half a million dollars. And then when the app launched in December, we began it with a business model that 5% of all revenue would go directly to cash grants for survivors. Um, So I think we're looking at three quarters of a million dollars so far. And then if you include all of the gifted, you know, sales revenue, we're really looking at a a million dollars easily that has come through the partnership of us working together and, and having survivors and survival wealth be so ingrained in everything we care about doing in the world. Mm -hmm. It's so incredible to see the fruit of this creative labor and this labor of love. And I'm very, it's, it's so trite, the phrase power couple, it's so ridiculous, <laughs> but, but to we'll from the it. ground up, you know what I mean? To, to, to have, to have that level, that level of consciousness and be like, we are going to build each other up because mm-hmm. we not only support each other, but we fuel each other. And in order to be, you know, meeting all those goals that we have for ourselves and the work that we do and what we're, it's just so cool to see it. And I, I know that it's not necessarily a replicable model for everyone, um, but the way that I see you two work together. Yeah. It's like whatever, whatever your passions are, like I have always wanted to do activism. It's just not my main skill set, And so I do it in the ways I can through the astrology and then actually through the business model and through the ways in which we can interlink free from and all its endeavors and the business. And so that's my way of doing it. That's our way of doing it. Astrology is her passion as well as it is mine. And domestic violence, intimate partner violence is so pervasively in my history and in my family and in my life that it's so healing for me to be in this relationship for so many reasons, but one of them because of the work that she does. So when we met and I went on her Facebook and I saw that she had, this is her second uh, nonprofit. Her first one is FF. And when I saw that she was fundraising for that, I was like, Oh, this person's really like serious. Like, they're a banker, yes, but their whole mission is to be doing some kind of activism around this issue, which again had like is is so pervasive in our society and in our communities. Um, so it was something that was really attractive to me. You know, when I was a kid, I didn't have a visual of. First of all, I was like a kid. I was like. And I would listen to Barry White. Like, I was always <laughs> listening to love songs. I was very, like, Venus and Pisces, googly eyed from the beginning. Um, but when I didn't have a visual of the person that I wanted to, you know, marry one day, but I was very clear that I wanted a partner one day. And the feeling or the activity or the action of energy of that person would 
I remember even writing it down when I was about that age. But I wanted to hold hands with someone and skip along, and they would support everything that I wanted to do in the world, <laughs> and I would support everything they wanted to do. And that's what I got. And I'm incredibly fortunate to have, have got the thing that I wanted, which was a partner in all of my creative endeavors. And I think at our core, we both approach it differently, but we're both creators. And so being able to create together is my absolute favorite thing to do. Yeah. I mean, it's so ingrained in, in your respective spirit, that creator spirit, that artist type. Mm. and they're healers too yes i think well i think and i think artists and healers are also often entwined mm. um that's something that that that's why i love your love and the way that you have mm. so deliberately um entwined your passions that way is because to me that's very very aspirational like i want to live a creative life you know we mm. we're living a life that from a young age we were told we weren't supposed to have that wasn't right. okay that maybe you would never have it you're actually going to die alone and sad <laughs> and gay people are going to hell like you yeah. hear so many things that to realize that you can create a life that you want to live um to just realize that for yourself and then do it is incredible yeah and so i knew i, I, I wanted yeah i mean there's so many of those lies right you're not supposed to find joy and family as a queer person you're not supposed mm -hmm. to have financial flexibility as an artist you know mm -hmm. you're not supposed to own a home if you weren't born into wealth you're not supposed to this if that and to to get older and to to work hard and manifest and realize like i can unwrite all of that and let go of it i think we are really feeling that in the last two weeks where we've moved into our home we moved out out of the parents house and into this home and we're just looking around like this is our KitchenAid mixer and this is our desk and we have this. And this is a really, um, yeah, every day I just look at something arbitrary or asinine and I want to cry because I'm so happy. This is my washing machine and dryer. Oh my God. And dryer. Can and dryer. The opulence. <laughs> opulence. You own two things. Um, I, I would love to talk um, a little bit with more specificity, Chani, Chani about, um, about the book um, uh -huh. and about the app. Because yeah. I just think, you know, my introduction to your work, Chani, was through Mitchell, who, mm -hmm. who was finding it so impactful and special. And at a certain point, I was just like, if you forward me another one, one of more. this lady's emails, <laughs> oh like God. even one more email, you know, I just cannot. And I don't, I actually don't remember when we first connected, like beyond me reading your forwarded emails or not. But in the time since I've known you, I have seen the work. I've seen, yeah. you know, the work from a public facing perspective behind the scenes. Yeah. And then to, to see the book be released yeah. and be a number one New York Times bestseller and hit these external benchmarks that are not necessary, but also so so special and so yeah, so importantly helpful. earned yeah like they don't not help yeah um and then really the launch great. of yeah and th then the, the launch of the chani app with over seven hundred and fifty thousand users like that's incredible that's incredible and i i would love to to have your perspective on like what does it feel like after doing so much work for so long to have some of these 
you know, to have the trophies in the trophy case because you've been doing the work. Yeah. And, you know, at a certain point, it's like you've done the work. You don't need the accolades, but like they got to feel nice a little bit. It feels exhausting, Adam. (laughs) (laughs) We're so tired. (laughs) The app is definitely not an accolade. The app is a newborn. Yeah. It's like newborn. Like we're clear. We're not going to have kids. Like, you know, definitely our creative energy goes into free from and the business. And, um, oh my God, like if we look back on the past seven years, it's like we might fall down from the sheer <laughs> uh, effort of it all. And there's no shortcut, not one. There is, there is nothing that you can take your eye off of when you are a creator. This is what I've learned. Everything is up to us. So we have left nothing to chance. We are total control freaks. We have like, you know, studied Beyonce. And every time we think like, oh, that person, that's their gig. That's their jam. We should trust them. We regret it because like no one knows how to care for your creative product, your creative child, your creative energy, your creative effort like you do. So never, ever, ever let them tell you that you're wrong when you feel passionate about the way in which your thing, your creation needs to be handled, put forth and managed in the world. And you, what I've learned is I have to be willing to put in that effort and I have to be willing to, to back it up and I have to be willing to go to every length possible to make sure the thing that I'm doing, the thing that we're doing is being given the chance that it needs, that it needs to flourish. And just like, you know, I don't know. It's like, you just have to be with it all the time and be thinking all the time of all the ways in which all the things could go wrong and it could, somebody else could drop the ball because they will, because they're human and that's what goes on. And so, um, that's how it's happened. It's not been a mistake. <laughs> Nothing about this is a mistake. <laughs> I think that's something about, about it that, that I know innately, maybe because of my own experience, but that I think everyone who yeah. who's a fan of, of your work can feel like it's you, you're there, like the labor's so obvious. There's nothing lazy about it. And like your meme about, you know, what is it? You're like, create your own life, make your own business and you will always worry and work all the time and never ever sleep or rest or know anything else like that. (laughs) Adam gets it. (laughs) You can always count on me to like take an insecurity and then print it on a tea towel. Yeah. If you have anything else you'd like to identify, you know, like let's, what, what do you want to print it on? Let's do it. (laughs) (laughs) But, but you're right. I mean, people, people will show up in your life and, and want to sell you services or ideas or, you know, people get shortcut. excited about your creative energy. Yeah. They want to offer you a shortcut or an app plugin or, uh, yeah. I mean, it's, there's, it, there's entire industries around this. And, you know, even when you work with publishers, there's a lot of like, well, this works, we're going to do this. And it's like, yeah. no, the world is constantly evolving and no one, I mean, yeah. no one, no one, no one will ever care. Yeah. The way you do. And when it stays your baby the whole time, that's how you wake up at the other end or not wake up, but that's how you get to the end of a seven year journey. Bedraggled and bleeding from the eyes. Yeah. But it's, but it's still you and you didn't get there through, you know, some fake thing and then slap your name back on. Right. It's been you the whole time. And, 
you can't replicate that, you know, like you just, when you feel it, you feel it. Yeah. And you have, you just have to fight. I remember other people telling you that. Yes. Knowing they're trying to pull one over on you. Just, you always have to know your power. You have to, yes, this person has this skill and this person has this skill, but I have power in the situation. And the beauty of being a creator and the beauty of being an entrepreneur is you actually do have power. There are so many people who are employees in a ring system who don't have power. Mm-hmm. But, you know, yes, it's exhausting and all the rest of it. And also, But it's worth everything. It's worth everything. Otherwise, why do it? And, you know, it's, yeah. it's like we now have a team. The team oh is 14 people going on 17 wow. and wow. all of these folks started or all but one started um in the last since the app launch and so you could take the opinion of like great now i've got this team now they can do the work or you could remember the tremendous power that you have as an employer and you know the tremendous power that you have with these folks careers in your hand and and own that power and i think if you can always be owning knowing you have power not being afraid of your power and owning it. Mm-hmm. That helps can, everybody else do the same. But then you then you can really create everything you want to create. Yeah. Doesn't mean you work any less. It just means you work differently. And like I'm learning how to work in a different way, but I've still got my eyes on everything and my hands and everything. It's just that I've got co-collaborators now. So that's also... We're, I'm entering into a new, we're both entering into like a new yeah. phase. I love even the way that you both just talked about this experience is like so indicative of your respective perspectives. <laughs> and then the fact that you ended up in the same place, it was like, right. you know, you sort of each yeah. went your own, it started where you are and then kind of, but, but all of that is so, is so spot on and is really the, the only way forward mm-hmm. at a certain point, mm-hmm. um, unless you choose to say, to stay small. And I think, you know, something that I think about, um, I had a really great conversation with um, the designer and creative director, Aries Moros, who was saying mm-hmm. to me, you know, they have a team of many people. They do they do um, graphic design for like events and concerts and like the MTV Video Music Award, like big, mm-hmm. big stage productions. And they were mm-hmm. like, you know, yeah, I've got I've got a whole team. But do you want that? Yeah. Do you want the stress of a whole team? Like, right. do you? You can make more money, but this is all the labor you have to yeah. do for it. Nothing. You for can free. also just have a nice life. Yeah. And I, I've really internalized that. And and Mitchell talks to me a lot about that too. Of like, you know, I'm someone who's so thirsty for the trappings of external validation mm-hmm. um, because I'm just an insecure person. And that's mm-hmm. you know, I can, I'm confident enough to tell you, not confident enough enough to stop doing it. And Mitchell's always saying like well, there's always going to be more money, more followers, yeah. more attention, more awards. But at a certain point, who fucking cares? What's yeah. the point of anything if you can enjoy it? You have to really know what kind of life you want. Yeah. What makes yeah. you happy. I'm finally learning. Mm. I think I'm learning what kind of... And it's really... Because it's not my life anymore. It's our life. Mm-hmm. And and that is always number one for me. Is like mm-hmm. the... Okay, so this is... Chani, I'm sorry. I feel like this is a moment where we're putting you to work and it's like unfair, but I know people are listening and they're like, Chani Nicholas, please. I've been waiting for a perfect moment. I'm waiting for a sign from above. Like I want to make change and I want the sign. What do we say to that person who's kind of like 
holding out on the perfect alignment of the universe. Someone who's telling themselves like, I'm going to do it, but I need to wait until this exact positioning is triangulated. <laughs> like astrologically they're waiting? Or they're Yeah, lying. but I'm being, I'm being vague yeah. enough that, you know, you could answer Listen, this in any way. I'm like, if you feel like you need all that to happen, then you do. And if you feel like you could risk it, and try now and learn if it works and learn if it learn through it working or it not working, then do that. Like, I trust you. So trust yourself. I, like that's because it's, it's too, it's giving your power away to ask somebody else when you should do yes. something. Totally. So I hate that you gave like a, a good and appropriate answer instead of just telling me I'm so lazy. I am. I'm lazy. I want. I you want you guys to just tell me. You're you're lazy and productive. You, they That's are not mutually exclusive. Yeah, they're not. I get. Oh, I get a lot so done, productive. but yeah, beyond. Pro- you know, nothing makes me productive like avoiding the real work. There you, you go. Know? There you go. But in that avoidance, yeah. you do so much real work. So it's this conundrum. I like that. I think this. For me, this new book, You Are Here For Now, is an exercise in turning growth. It is making art that um, very transparently sort of is navigating growth. You know, the visual art is a very obvious metaphor for it. But then I I sort of made a book that I needed to make in order to process. Which I think is the nature of your work, which is why it's so relatable. Because yeah. you are able, like every great artist, to externalize your process in a way that is relatable. And at, in your ability to do that, you help me understand my own process. Because what you're relating is so quintessentially universally human. And like even the title is such a li- lovely little slap in the face, you know, which is like your work. It's like very like appealing and and sweet and then it's also like oh my god that's so true it always is revealing a core of something and that you know your comment of like about yourself is very like libra because libra's it's ruled by venus so everything wants to be easy and delightful and to be you know something like that is pleasurable um but in that in that like veneer within that you bring us so deep into the core of our issues and i think that that's your great gift well thank you okay so we're we're winding down here the last question is um what's a piece of advice or or some sort of reminder for someone listening who just like doesn't doesn't know what's next not necessarily in a bad way but really just doesn't know is there a tip is there a thought yeah go inward it's, all, it's everything you need to know is inside you. Like a fortune cookie. <laughs> really, like it's that simple. It's just keep listening to your body. Keep listening to the feelings. Keep listening to the ideas. It's like you said at the beginning of the podcast. Everyone's walking around looking for signs. And the signs are right there. And then they're like, why am I not getting a sign? Right. Yeah. Cultivate practices that help you go inward. Yeah. Help you listen. Help you build a relationship to yourself. But... When you get the message, hang up the phone and go do the thing. Yeah. And I think that's easy to say and harder to do because of the fear that suddenly pops up in that moment. And that's where I think understanding your power, 
understanding that you are the only person driving the ship and the only person that can drive the ship and really learning, really recognizing what voices and what stories inside of you are not you and getting them out of your way is like a practice that I feel like we are constantly in. It never, you're never done doing the work. There are no shortcuts, but if you can engage in the process, then you won't ask that. You won't wonder, you know, when is it going to get better or when, what can I do? Because you have all the answers. Um, We're just going to end with where can we find you online? Yeah. So the Chani app is available on the Apple app store. And if you are an Android user or you don't have an iPhone, you can also get a lot of our resources through the website, channynicholas.com. And Free From, our website is freefrom.org. You can go there for resources. You can go there to um, support survivors, get cash to survivors, all donations through our website. 100% of your donation goes directly to survivors who need cash. And uh, Chani is on Instagram and Twitter and so is free from and you'll find us there as well. I I'm at Mitchell Kuga. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I'm at Adam JK. The book is You Are Here for Now in bookstores from October 19th onward. <laughs> oh my god. This has been this has been really great and just like energy bringing and and comforting and it's so nice to see yeah. you too. Truly. Yeah. You've been listening to You Are Here For Now, the podcast. If you liked what you heard, please take a minute to subscribe, rate, and review us on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you listen to podcasts. And pick up a copy of my book, You Are Here For Now, for yourself or someone you love at your favorite bookstore or adamjk.com. Until next time, be kind to yourself and remember, you are here, but you're not alone.